This is episode 240 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are, Take Care of Your Vehicle and Your Vehicle Will Take Care of You, and When Does a Flu Become a Pandemic? Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, I'd like to welcome all the new listeners, and if you are not subscribed, make sure that you do that in iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast network, and that way you never miss an episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. Before we jump right into our first article, there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about um, the first one, is, well, let me let me open up with telling you just a little bit of a story that kind of set this off again for me uh, today. So I was at work and I am, uh, because I'm in technology and education, there's a couple of forums and there's a couple of email lists that I'm on. And one of them came across today and, and somebody was asking the question uh, about the new Google apps uh, for enterprise and uh, if any of the other school districts or any other uh, the other departments were going to uh, go ahead and pay for it, it's a it's a service that you would pay for now. And so uh, you know people were were uh, commenting back and forth and, and all those kinds of things. And I know there's a lot of people here that you know are listening on the uh, on the podcast that just hate Google, right? Google is is worse than Big Brother, and uh, and in some cases they are. In education, they have saved a lot of money for people because where in the past you would uh, have to buy licenses licenses for, for Microsoft uh, products and things like that, uh, Google offered a lot of their things free. And so there are some school districts out there that will call themselves a, a Google uh, a Google school district or whatever uh, because they pretty much have... Uh, jumped on the Google bandwagon and use all the Google products because it's so much cheaper than having to buy licenses for from Microsoft. Why Microsoft charges as much as they do, I don't know. I can't believe that they haven't lost more market share than they have. But anyway, there you go. So anyway, this this thing came up where uh, you know someone linked to it. So I went to go link uh, to go see exactly what it was, and there really wasn't a lot of uh, extra. Uh, that you would get from it, and some people said that that you know the the Google Enterprise, and so it's you know Google Apps for Education, so GAF, <laughs> if you would, uh, that is you know they had like a paid option that you can you know the Google Suite that there was a paid option that you could go to, and there really wasn't a lot more that, that added to it, but uh, someone said that it was you know for like um, uh, bigger bigger school districts or even universities and things like that. But someone made the comment that kind of jogged my memory to something that happened yesterday. Uh, they said, uh, yeah, you get it free and then they, they bait and switch you. Well, then yesterday it reminded me of a post that I saw on Facebook yesterday. So somebody that I'm friends with on Facebook uh, posted something that said, you know, Facebook is removing my Behold Israel and Olive Tree Ministry post. Facebook says that it is spam or against their community standards. Now, to be fair, this person uh, does post a whole lot, you know, does a lot of resharing and things like that. But uh, nevertheless, you know, Facebook is telling her that, uh, you know, what she's posting is spam and it's not spam. Uh, I linked to uh, Behold Israel or Amir Safadi 
on the weekly Watchmen over on Ed That Matters every single week. Um, for some reason this week there wasn't uh, an episode, so I didn't do it this week. But I do link to him, and I do listen to the Olive Tree podcast every once in a while. Sometimes it's all the same stuff, but uh, I do listen to it. So I know that these people aren't spam. I know that they're legit uh, people out there in the Christian community that are being told to uh, or being shut down. Actually, Olive Tree Jan Markell's her her page at one point got shut down. Her YouTube channel, I, I believe, uh, it, it was either YouTube, YouTube, Twitter, or one of those. Right, it got shut down. But she had such a big following that they, uh, of course, you know, they started going after whichever one it was. I can't, I can't remember. Um, it's, it's, it wasn't that long ago, but I'm just not remembering. Uh, anyway, so they, of course, they come back and say, oh, that was just an oversight. It was an error. It didn't mean to happen. And they turned her back on. The problem is, is that that has happened to other people and they haven't been turned back on. They've just been turned off and it's like, that's it. And that's, you know, that's, that, that's a, a real serious thing that's happening right now. And so on the same day that that happened, another um, Facebook page that I follow, End Times Headlines, uh, and I also, if you are a member of the, the per uh, Prepper Church Facebook page uh, automatically goes over there to that page. Uh, their their articles or whatever that they put out um, said that hey uh, that they were being silenced. That they're getting uh, a lot of uh, people commenting and a lot of people uh, sending in emails and stuff that their posts are being uh, considered spam and uh, Facebook is not allowing them to. Uh, to put out their their uh, articles and their posts as well. And so, I mean, that was a lot. Normally, when you hear about something like that, this is like one, one uh, you know, organization has an issue. But uh, on, this, on this day, there was a lot of them. And so uh, it, it got me back to the point where I've, I've said this before. Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, Instagram, Pinterest... All these big social media places, even Google, you know, for whatever reason, for, for right now they're like a, a necessary evil because uh, you know people who use uh, or people who have websites. I mean, they they know that Google drives traffic. Uh, they know that social media drives traffic. Uh, there's there's times that I know that I haven't promoted an article, but for whatever reason, someone on Facebook uh, shares it out. And you know it's a someone with a lot of followers or a page with a lot of followers, and it really increases the 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 traffic on a specific article on a specific website. And for people who own websites and people who make their living that way, I mean that's a big deal. And uh, even people who don't make their living that way, when you're putting content out there and you're you're working at it and stuff, you want people to see it. So it it is a big deal for them as well. But it go, I go back to this issue is that Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Pinterest, you know, Google, they're, all these people, they're, they're owned by companies, they're owned by people, and they're very anti-Christian. They're very anti, you know, uh, uh, so let me say this, you know, we're living in a, in a society now, we used to say it was a post-Christian a lot of people now are saying it's an anti-Christian. And I know there's people who will say, well, you know what? No, you know, this is going on. This is going on. So it's not really that. There's still a lot of Christians. 
But when you look at things that are going on there, Christians do get persecuted. And so uh, go back to these uh, these people who made the cake, the, the, the couple in Oregon. Who made the, who refused to make the cake for that uh, for that gay couple, and then they went after them, and they they are fined, and they lost all their business, you know, and uh, they had to shut down their business, and they had to go back to work for other people, and they still owe all this money. And at one point, I think someone raised a bunch of money on a crowdsourcing uh, type website, and when the crowdsourcing website realized what it was, they shut that down and said, "No, we're not allowing you to raise money for these people." And some people out there might say, Todd, you know, hey, they, they refuse to do it and whatever. And does that really mean that it's post-Christian? Uh, yeah. Uh, go or anti-Christian? Yeah. Go, go to, you, you never see them, the media or anybody going after Islam, right? Or going, going after like, hey, I want to go to an Islamic or someone who is a Muslim who owns a, a bakery, and I want them to do this, this, and this. You know, they, they wouldn't require that. Or, hey, we want to require a Christian minister to perform this wedding when it's against their their faith or whatever. But they would never go to a a, a Muslim or you know is an Islamic cleric to do that because you know that's they're against their faith. They would never do that. And so. I can see possibly, right? And I know people are like, Todd, this is like conspiracy. At some point, right, where Facebook and Twitter and, and, and all the people that, all the big social media where people hang out, where they get to a point where like they just start turning people off. You know, all the, the, the big Christian organizations like, hey, you know what? Well, we just thought we're not interested in what you have to say anymore. Uh, we're going to go ahead and turn you off. We're going to go ahead and and uh, you have this big following. You have a hundred thousand people, but uh, you know we don't we don't want to uh, allow you to promote your stuff on our social network. And they start turning that off. And again, there's some of you out there like, hey, whatever, you know, it, it's uh, it's it's free. It's it's their it their prerogative. It's their business, um, you know. And maybe you have that idea or that thought because you're not a Christian. But what if, you know, they very easily start turning then on those that are patriotic and those that are, you know, conservative, those that are libertarian, and they start knocking down those pages and they start turning those people off and, and not allowing them or they start cutting back their uh, viewership and, and they don't allow their posts to be seen by everyone. Uh, I mean, Facebook has already done a, a lot of that already, but even more so, they start uh, messing with people's views and stuff like that. And so what what would you do at that point? You know, do you have a plan for where you're going to go get your news? Because a lot of people get their content through social media. Do you have a plan where you would go and get your uh, your news? And of course, Prepper website is there. Uh, and, and unless uh, a hosting you know, the government shuts the hosting down. Uh, you know, we would still be uh, out there putting out content. But uh, that's one reason why I think being on an email list is, is very important. Uh, I try not to send out uh, just spam. I try to put out things that are valuable. But that things like this just get me back to that idea of, you know, if there was a need for communication and, and really you needed to uh, get information from people, uh, you know, are you on certain email lists where you know that people are going to give you like even if you were on this behold Israel. So one of the comments on on this Facebook uh, post was uh, they have an app, you know, and Amir Sarfati had, had been saying you want to get the app and that way you make sure that you are alerted when we put things out. 
um, you know, proper website doesn't have an app, but we do have that email list. And there are other uh, websites, there are other organizations that you might want to get their email or be on their email list as well. Just so that you, if something was to happen like this, you never miss out. And like, yeah, you don't like getting spammed. You don't like getting, uh, you know, multiple emails. I totally understand that. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's just something to consider. And I wanted to put that out there just to, just uh, to, uh, to get you thinking that when, when you're out there on the social media networks, all the, the work that's done and building a following on, it's not yours. It's like rented space at any time that can be pulled out from underneath you. And so uh, just kind of keep that in the back of your mind uh, as we uh, continue moving forward. There's one more thing I wanted to talk about uh, wrapped up in uh, one of the articles, in the second article that we're going to do. So uh, let's go ahead and and get into our first article. It is from theprepperjournal.com, and this article is entitled, Take Care of Your Vehicle and Your Vehicle Will Take Care of You. So this article will talk, uh, it's like a multi-purpose. It talks a little bit about taking care of your vehicle and having good maintenance and all that kind of stuff, but then a little bit about a vehicle kit and things that you should have inside uh, your vehicle if you can store them there. So uh, let's go ahead and, and read this one. Your vehicle is likely the most important piece of equipment in your life. You rely on it for going to work, grocery shopping, ferrying the kids around if you have kids, and you might even depend on it one day to get you to safety in a disaster. If your car is in great shape, you probably don't think about it very much. Sure, old clunkers are more prone to break down than new vehicles under warranty, but don't take it for granted. Even new vehicles can malfunction, and any car or truck can fall victim to debris in the road, flat tires, electrical issues, and other hazards. All too often when disaster strikes, it strikes when we are in a cellular dead zone, in the middle of the night, and in the rain. That's just Murphy's Law in action. Isn't that the truth, man? All right, so maintenance. First and foremost, stack the odds in your favor by performing regular maintenance on your vehicle. Keep the oil changed, the wipers new, and the tires inflated to the proper pressure. Inspect tires for cracks, bulges, or any signs of physical damage. Check your coolant level, belts, hoses, and battery cables for signs of damage. What about that spare tire? Everyone forgets about that spare tire until they get a flat and need it. By then, it could be too late. Check the basics, including the conditions of the tires, on a weekly basis. Taking a few minutes out of your Saturday performing these checks will give you peace of mind and will help you catch problems before they arise. Now that your vehicle is in the best shape possible, it's time to stock it with essential items you might need in case of emergency. And one of the other, you know, this article said Saturday, but, you know, one of the things people do is when they go uh, fill up, you know, that's, that's one thing that I do when I fill up. I kind of do a, a little check there and not always popping the hood, but uh, do a little check around the vehicle and check the tires and those kinds of things. Uh, you know, I wanted to uh, say one thing. This reminded me one year coming back from uh, summer camp with a, with a whole van full of youth. I had the, the church van and uh, it was an older van and someone had really blessed the church with it. And it was really great because we really needed it. But uh, there was a lot of little things that would go wrong. It was very old. And uh, at one point, I, I really didn't have to use the windshield wipers very much. But at one point coming back, we got a little bit of rain, turned the windshield wipers on, and the, the wipers got really bad. Uh, it, it, they weren't good at all. And so we stopped to eat on the way home. And when we stopped, 
I got some wiper blades in and replaced them and I was very, very glad I did because as soon as we got back on the road, probably about 10 minutes down the road, it started pouring down so heavy and uh, those new wiper blades allowed me to be able to see everything clearly. But if I wouldn't have had those wiper blades, and it, I'll tell you, it rained probably from there all the way home. And so it, it turned probably about a two-hour trip into a three-and-a-half-hour trip because it was, so, uh, it was so heavy. The rain was so heavy. People were stopping on the sides of the road. And, uh, of course, you know, I have all these kids with me, and so I'm just trying to be extra careful. But uh, if I wouldn't have had those windshield wipers, I would have been done for because uh, it was really, really bad. And uh, so it's just so important. You never know when you're going to need, uh, you know, need to, to check your uh, your vehicle and change things like uh, something as simple as uh, windshield wipers. They don't cost that much money, but they make a big difference. All right, continuing on, uh, it starts talking about the emergency kit. So let's talk about this one. Uh, time to prepare for the unexpected. You can buy a ready-made emergency kit, but buyer beware. These kits will most likely not have some items you will want or need, and they may be filled with useless items or inferior quality items. For example, I purchased an emergency kit a couple of years ago specifically because it contained jumper cables. However, the included cables were not heavy duty. When I needed them and attempted to use them, they became extremely hot due to the large current draw of my vehicle and failed to pass enough current for the starter. A note on jumper cables, shop by gauge. Lower is better. The lower the gauge, the thicker the cable. The 10 gauge cables are literally useless. Four gauge will start anything out there. They make cables all the way down to one gauge, but you don't need anything that big unless you're jump starting an 18 wheeler. And there's a nice little graphic here where uh, cable types, uh, where you know it'll have like a four gauge extra heavy duty, 250 times uh, 250% more than 10 gauge. And it, sh it just shows you that, uh, you know, the differences in the gauges there and, and maybe what type of, uh, like you would have a, you would want a four gauge for like an SUV or, uh, or a big truck. So let me talk very briefly about, uh, jumper cables. The, uh, the campus that I was at, I was one of, uh, two other guys. And because I was the assistant principal, I was a little bit more, uh, free you know i didn't i wasn't attached to a classroom uh to help out when things needed so there was always teachers or there was always parents or there was always people who needed a jump visitors who needed a jump and actually sometimes people would would be in the car rider line and their vehicle would die and they would need a jump and so i, I from the early from early on i invested in just a really great set of uh of heavy duty jumper cables and they just really worked i have seen people uh, I've been at uh, at a store where people were jumping. Someone was jumping someone else, and they had one of those thin pieces. And let me tell you, it did get hot, and they mel actually melted. So it was very, very dangerous. So just yeah, invest. Find find them on sale when they're on sale. Go to Amazon. Find uh, or you know, there's a link here in, in this uh, article that you can go and uh, just find a good pair. You never, uh, you know, you'll never do yourself wrong by having a, a real decent pair of uh, jumper cables and they'll last forever uh, with that. All right, so uh, continuing on. With that said, you can find good ready-made emergency kits for your vehicle, but I recommend putting your own together. This way you can customize it to your heart's content, use high quality items and ensure that it has everything for your unique situation or vehicle. Without further ado, here's a checklist. Number one is a first aid kit. Get a basic kit, but augment it with everything you may personally want or need. 
Look at the contents of the kit before you throw it in your vehicle and add items as needed. Make sure it has things like triple antibiotic ointment, bandages, wipes, and anything specific you or your family may need. And most important of all, know how to properly use each and every item in the kit. In the wrong hands, some items do more harm than good and never ever believe that movies or TV actually portrays the proper use of any medical equipment. Never. <laughs> all right. I second that about the, the first aid. Start with a little basic one and, then, and add to it. Number two is a phone charger backup battery. I'm going out on a limb and assuming you will have your phone with you on your person. Therefore, be sure you have a spare phone charger and one or more fully charged backup battery packs. All right, I'm going to second that one too. A fire extinguisher. It should be rated for Class B and Class C fires by the National Fire Protection Association or NFPA, flammable and combustible liquids. Three reflective warning triangles, or at least road flares. One reflective triangle is not enough to give proper warning to oncoming vehicles. A tire gauge. Have a decent tire gauge and make sure your tires are properly inflated. Under overinflated tires greatly increase the risk of a flat while simultaneously making your vehicle handle poorly. Foam tire sealant or fix a flat. A quick, inexpensive way to repair many flats without changing the tire. This can be handy if you find yourself in a situation where it's too dangerous to change the tire. Just be aware that it is not a permanent solution. It just, it's just meant to get you to safety. A while back, I did an article on uh, a situation that I found myself in when we were traveling and using this fix-a-flat. Someone said that uh, some of the tires out there don't, you really damage the tire by doing so. If it was a case where you, you got a nail in there and they could put a, a plug or a patch or something along those lines, if you used a fix-a-flat, would really, uh, really mess it up. I don't know if that's true or not. I've never had that issue, but uh, I totally agree with this fix a flat and having that in your uh, in your in your car in your vehicle. That has saved my butt before, and uh, I just believe in that. Uh, number seven is jumper cables. Splurge on the good ones. Cheapo cables will just get hot and not transfer enough current to start the car. Consider a self-started kit that can hold a charge for three months and does not leave you to rely on the kindness of strangers especially when none are in sight. Also note that if a 12-volt car battery dies, it dies. A jump will start your vehicle, but on newer vehicles, the electrical system do not recharge the battery. Drive straight to a shop that can replace the battery or to a store that sells them and have the tools in your kit to perform the operation. There were advantages to the clumsy points and distributor caps of old. Flashlights and extra batteries. In fact, just get a pack of LED flashlights. The LED bulbs don't break or burn out, and they consume less power. Gloves. Any work mechanic gloves will do. Rags. Very handy to have. I'm talking about clean rags. Don't leave oil or gas-soaked rags in your vehicle. The fumes will get to you, and they are a big fire hazard. Duct tape. Every kit should have a roll or two. A tow strap or a tow rope. Get one rated for 6,000 pounds. A utility tool. Get something like a Leatherman or a Gerber multi-tool. Take care if buying a cheap one from the bargain bin. I've had more than one $5 multi-tool break upon first use. I will second that about those cheap multi-tools. I got one from uh, years ago uh, when you joined the NRA. And uh, it is very, very cheap. That knife had come back on me a couple of times. Uh, you know, almost. The only reason they didn't cut me was because the... The, the blade was just, it wasn't sharp at all, but uh, just 
FYI on that one. Please be careful. A rain poncho. Again, very handy and they don't take up hardly any space. You'll be thankful you have it the first time you have to change a flat in the rain or lay on snow or ice to make a repair. Drinking water. Keep a few bottles on hand more if you have the room. Uh, again, I would caution you on that, uh, keeping it in there for long periods of time. If you live in, a, in an area where there's uh, uh, extreme temperatures, and especially heat, you know, like in Texas or in Houston, I would not want to keep plastic water bottles in my, in my vehicle for long periods of time. I, just, I don't think that's just a good idea. Uh, 16, non-perishable snacks like granola bars, protein bars, stuff like that. A blanket, especially if you live in colder climates. Mylar blankets take up almost no room, are inexpensive, and save lives. A shovel, if you live in an area where it snows, consider a snow shovel, otherwise a folding camp shovel. Cat litter, again, this is for traction in the snow or ice. It is also excellent to clean up oil or fuel spills. And an ice scraper, yes, even in Arizona in the summer, because when you do venture into the mountains or encounter snow or ice, Having it, having it sitting there in the kit is far better than remembering it is still at home. Your car should have a jack and spare tire, so I didn't include it on the list. This is a basic kit. Think of it as a starting point. Newer cars now come with run-flat tires as an option. The upside, no changing a tire. The downside, you suddenly have 50 miles before you start damaging the rim, turning a $50 repair into a $300 repair in seconds. Even the current solid spare tires have a very limited range, so know what you have and how far it will take you. Safe travels. Good article here on, on uh, this kit that you can have in your, uh, your vehicle. I, man, I have to second all of the stuff here. Uh, I don't have for mine, again, I talked about the drinking water, but uh, I don't, of course, I don't have sh- a shovel and cat litter. Um, I don't live in the, in the snow and, of course, an a ice scraper. I don't have that. But almost everything else here, uh, man, is really right on. And so if you have a truck, if you have a, like a back seat that folds up, uh, you, can, you can put it there. Uh, if you have a, a vehicle, maybe, you know, like an SUV or even, uh, you know, you have a, a trunk, um, you can get a little tote and, and put all this stuff in, in there. Um, what I would include that's not in here, I would include two things. So I purchased like a little toolbox from like Harbor Freight one day. It was, it's more the like the cloth type, right? It's not like a hard toolbox. Uh, but anyway, so they had them on sale at one point. I bought a couple of them for one for each of the vehicles. And uh, so I started making some, some kits and, and I have more in some and whatever. But uh, anyway, uh, at Home Depot, when they go on sale, a lot of the times you can find uh, wrenches and, 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 and sockets and, and, and ratchets and all those kinds of things on sale. And so I bought, I, I would add some, some tools like that to your kit, you know, and so I have that and uh, screwdrivers and things like that. I also have a, uh, a plug. I have to fix a flat, but I also have uh, the ability to, uh, to plug a tire. So like from the outside, uh, and it's one of those things where you know you'll you'll drill into it a little bit, and then you'll put you'll push the tire, and kind of the old old way that they used to plug tires. Um, now you know when you take it to discount tire or something like that, they'll actually take it off and they'll they'll uh, they'll they'll put a patch on it from the inside, and those are usually better. You don't want to you know just do the plug, but the plug uh, if you needed it in an emergency and the fix a flat for whatever reason wasn't working, that might help you. Uh, the other thing that, well, actually two more things now. Uh, the other thing that I have is a 12 volt air compressor. 
So if you don't have that fix a flat, but you have something else, you know, you need to be able to, um, to, for instance, you use a plug, uh, you want to be able to have an air compressor to be able to pump up your tire. And then, uh, or you could use the fix a flat as well. You can combine it with both if, if you needed to. But once you use that fix a flat, if you realize you need something more, you're kind of out in the, in, in, in the woods there. And uh, the last thing that I, that I have in my kit is a roll of rescue tape. And uh, this stuff is like self-fusing, permanent seal, waterproof airtight. And it is used for a lot of different things. So I really don't know if it would work to uh, to, to help a, a busted radiator or something along those lines. But uh, definitely, you know, it comes with a lot of great recommendations. I've put it on, on a Prepper website before. I find it on Amazon. Uh, actually, I'm going to link to it on Prepper website uh, this evening. So if, you, if you're interested in going and taking a look at it, uh, you know, it's got 900 reviews. And, you know, people talk a lot about... Uh, how they used it, you know, repairing their dishwasher and uh, a, a broken pipe and all different kinds of things. So uh, I, I think that it's one of those things that you'd wish that you had uh, possibly along with duct tape. So anyway, good kit there. Hopefully you uh, you can put together a kit for yourself. Uh, it's better to have it and uh, never need it than uh, to need it and never have it, right? Uh, so uh, there you go. That's over at theprepperjournal.com. You want to go check that one out. All right, our next article comes to us from TruePrepper.com, and the article is entitled "When Does a Flu Become a Pandemic?" And uh, you know, the flu—you hear different people, on, you know, on on Facebook and people responding to different things. I even—I think I mentioned it uh, a couple of days ago, maybe a week ago, where uh, there was a, a flu article uh, posted on Prepper website, and of course. It automatically gets sent over to Facebook and someone is like, oh, it's not that bad. They say it's always bad. Well, I mean, I don't know. Everything that I'm hearing says is saying that it's bad. And I know a lot of people that are sick, a lot of people that have the flu, not just the doom and gloom articles that are out there talking about how bad it is. I'm talking about, you know, there's, there's you know, everyone is talking about how bad the flu is. And uh, so this article talks about, uh, you know, how, you know, how bad a flu has to become to become a pandemic. But I did want to point out the fact that it is bad out there. There are a lot of people, uh, you know, it is a, a moderately severe flu is what they're saying. This article says that. And so um, even I had a, a, a web meeting today where someone was coughing and sneezing. And, and uh, later on, they, they believed that it was uh, it was the flu. And so I got to talk to them a little bit about, hey, go out and get some Samba call if you think it's you think it's it's going there? Go out and get some Samba call elderberry extract now, and uh, start taking that. And that's uh, has been proven to to help reduce just like Tamiflu. But anyway, uh, I am going to link in the show notes to the flu tag on Prepper website because uh, there's just a lot of information there. And so uh, you know there there will be information on the flu and where to go look for information. And uh, we actually cover a little bit of that in this article. And then uh, natural remedies and all those different kinds of things. Uh, so if you are uh, interested in that, uh, it's going to be in the show notes and it's going to go to the tag cloud over on Prepper website. And you're going to have a lot of articles to choose from uh, about the flu. All right. So I just kind of wanted to point that out. That was uh, another big thing I wanted to talk about just because I keep seeing so many articles about the flu. But anyways, let's go ahead and jump right into this one over at TruePrepper.com. When does a flu become a pandemic? The flu is running rampant in the U.S. right now, with H3N2 not being the predicted strain by vaccine developers. 
It has spread rapidly and earlier than usual, and the death toll is rising. Flu deaths are nothing new, unfortunately. The CDC reports that about 12,000 people die in the U.S. every year from flu complications. In a moderately severe year like we are currently experiencing, death has reached up to 56,000. Uh, and I'll just say, we're still in the middle of flu season, so it's still not over yet. Uh, the rapid spread and the death toll numbers can be scary, especially if you or a loved one are dealing with symptoms. Well, go ahead and calm down. In this post, we're going to look at the bigger picture and examine what it takes for the flu to become a historical pandemic. So what is a pandemic? A pandemic, simply put, is a disease outbreak on a global scale. This is different than an epidemic and a simple disease outbreak. An epidemic is when the infectious disease spreads through many people quickly. A disease outbreak is the smallest scale and can be just one person contracting the disease if it is in an unknown disease or one thought to be controlled or eradicated. Flu pandemics are no stranger to our history. Some of the most well-known include the 1890 Asiatic flu killed up to 1 million, and that was an H3N8 subtype. The 1918 Spanish flu killed up to 100 million, that was an H1N1 subtype, and which was about 5% of the world population, that 100 million at that time. Uh, the 1957 Asian flu killed 2 million, and that was an H2N2 subtype. And the 1968 Hong Kong flu killed 1 million, that was an H3N2 subtype. As you can see, the Hong Kong flu was the same subtype as the flu that is prevalent in America today. Humans have built up better group immunity since it was introduced in 1968, which is why there are less fatalities. New subtypes of the flu virus can show up, however and those are the ones that possess the most pandemic risk. The flu pandemic scale. Sometimes diseases can start with animals and animal vectors and spread to humans. This is why the bird flu and swine flu were both considered dangerous and monitored heavily. The influenza pandemic scale developed by the World Health Organization shows this. Phase 1. New influenza viruses are spreading through animals, but there has been no transmission to humans. Phase 2. The virus spreading through animals has infected humans. Phase 3. Small clusters of sporadic cases of the flu occur for humans, but human-to-human -human transmission is not present. Phase 4. Verified human-to-human -human transmission of the flu has occurred. This is considered the tipping point for a flu pandemic. Phase 5. The virus has spread to multiple countries in a single region. And phase six, the virus has spread to multiple regions and a global pandemic is occurring. After these phases, the WHO, or the World Health Organization, also emphasizes the importance of the post-peak and post-pandemic periods where people can possibly let their guard down and still contract the virus. So preventing the flu. The flu is almost like death and taxes in that you can expect it to come around every year. The subtype may vary, and if we're lucky, it's something that we've seen before and have some natural immunity to. Even still, growing populations around the globe are just a growing number of host victims and vectors to the influenza virus. Stay healthy and don't spread the virus to others with these flu prevention tips. Vaccinations. Although scientists aren't right all the time, as shown with the low effectiveness of the vaccine this year, the best defense against the flu is getting the annual vaccine, according to experts. Pandemic flu will likely not be affected by vaccines, however, and they will be synthesized as quickly as possible. 
One movie that does a pretty good job of showing just how long this can take is the movie Contagion. As a former emergency manager, I found that movie to be pretty accurate of how government agencies would respond and how agonizingly slow vaccines and distribution could be. All right, so let me just stop really quick here. A lot of people, some of you listening right now, are going to have problems with the vaccination aspect of it. Uh, you know, and uh, I completely, completely understand. I mean, I'm, I'm always reading different things up there. Uh, and uh, so uh, out there that you know, the people that are writing uh, in the, you know, the, the natural health, you know, organic type, uh, you know, communities and, and uh, you know, those bleed into the preparedness community a lot of the times. Uh, and, you know, there's a, just a lot of people that have different varying opinions on uh, if they should get the flu or not. And so, uh, you know, somebody in one of the comments said, I, I was reading up until you said get the vaccination. Then I stopped reading. And so some people feel very, very, uh, you know, adamant that you should not get vaccinations. Other people are very adamant that you should you should get vaccinations. I have my own view and we're all entitled to that. Uh, but it just I, I want to put that out there. I know that there's a lot of, you know, uh, really strong feelings on if should pe- if people should get vaccinated or not. So I just kind of wanted to say that really quick. All right, so continuing on with prevention is just wash your hands. Proper hand washing is surprisingly rare. It's easy to learn a good technique. Here's a solid technique laid out in a quick video. So there's uh, just a video on washing your hands. Uh, I'm kind of laughing there, but uh, it's so very true, especially when you worked in uh, in an elementary school where kids wouldn't wash their hands or they would play around in the restroom and you always wanted to, you know, like, hey, this is not a place to play. You go do your business, wash your hands well and get out, especially during the time when everyone was sick. All right, so quit touching your face. This is one where I struggle. I'm constantly fiddling with my beard, rubbing my eyes or just keeping my hands around my face. I work on breaking the habit often and hope to get there one day. It has probably caused me to get sick before and will cost me again if I don't push harder to quit. Cover your cough. You don't see it too often, but some people don't cover their mouth with with their cough. I don't care if you hide your face in your elbow or just use your hand. Particles from your mouth have been measured by scientists to travel 26 feet from coughs. Don't spread your sickness by being lazy. Wear an N95 mask. Some cultures are way ahead of us here. In Japan, it is commonplace to wear a face mask during flu season or if you are sick. You may get some odd looks here if you walk around with an N95 mask, but if there is a pandemic flu breakout of a new subtype, I can guarantee you my family and I will all have one. You can get several for cheap and throw a few into all of your kits. Someone also said in the comments, and uh, yeah, I always try to look at, I mean, comments are just so valuable a lot of the times, said that you can get the surgical mask and not necessarily the N95 mask. Uh, the N95 masks are going to be a little bit more expensive, uh, but uh, I do recommend that you do get N95 mask. Uh, you know, it's good to have those, and uh, they do link to it here from uh, TruePrepper.com. And then antiviral drugs, Tamiflu, Relenza, uh, Rapavab are used in both the treatment and prevention of flu uh, viruses. They are prescription drugs, so you will need to get a doctor to prescribe you one of these, usually to treat severe symptoms. And again, I'm going to tell you, go out and and, uh, look at Sambacol. Uh, Go, you know, we talked about it not too long ago in one of the episodes, and I actually linked to... Uh, an article that talked about a study. So, but anyway, you look at Sambacol and uh, I think that's something that you should have on hand uh, regardless. All right, flu resources and information. 
There are several resources available online. Here are a few of the best to keep up with the latest information and tracking possible outbreaks. The National Institute of Health, uh, Health Influenza, Center for Disease Control Influenza Updates, and World Health Organization Global Influenza Program. And so there's links to all of these here in the article. It makes it very convenient to just go jump to them. All right, so the final word, the H3N2 subtype this year is not likely to become a sweeping pandemic or even an epidemic in the U.S. New strains, rare subtypes, and crossovers from animals are the high-risk influenza viruses that pose the biggest threats. You should still protect yourself from seasonal influenza with the tips above, but know that seasonal influenza is not the same threat as a pandemic flu that would spread quite quickly past a moderately severe seasonal flu. Keep exploring, stay prepared, and be safe. So good article there. I think any article that talks a little bit about, you know, things that you need to look forward or look for, look for, and then things that will calm a little bit as far as, uh, you know, the, the, the doom and, and gloom that, that so easily uh, permeates a lot of the preparedness community and articles out there. I mean, some of it, sometimes I think people are too lax, you know, uh, and I think sometimes people are too, too extreme. Uh, that's why I say you need to be uh, you need to stay prepped and aware. You need to stay focused on what's going on. You need to know what's happening on the global scale so you can protect yourself. All right. So uh, again, that's over at trueprepper.com. Go check that out. And there's a lot of links there uh, for that. And then don't forget about the, the flu tag that I'm going to have on uh, the show notes if you want to go look for more flu information over at prepperwebsite.com. Uh, All right, guys. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with me on episode 240. I greatly appreciate all the listeners that are out there. If you want to connect, I'd love to connect with you on social media before it gets taken away from us. Uh, You can connect with me on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, I also invite you to come over to the Facebook group as well. I'd love for you to be a part of that. And so uh, with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.